Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, lingua fracas. Doug brings the case against his best friend, Ty. Ty insists on pronouncing foreign words with a proper accent when speaking in English. Doug says that's pretentious. He thinks Ty should just accept the common pronunciation of words when he's stateside. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Here are some helpful foreign phrases. Listen and then repeat after me. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good evening. Good evening. How are you, person of equal status? How are you, person of equal status? How are you, person of higher status? How are you, person of equal status? What hour does the sun have? What hour does the sun have? What is it that passes itself here? What is it that passes itself here? What good cuisine serves itself at this foodotech? What good cuisine serves itself in this foodotech? Do you serve snail cups? Do you? <laughs> Be quiet, you people. Do you serve snail cups? Do you serve tongues and sea fruits? Do you serve tongues and sea fruits? Do you serve hot crab tendon and family-style sponge on unique rice? Do you serve hot crab tendon and family-style sponge on unique rice? That food does not taste me well. That food does not taste me well. Which of these four mysterious holes and basins is the toilet? Which of these four mysterious holes and basins is the toilet? I am prepared for exit. I'm prepared for exit. Jesse, swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he himself is an advocate for Esperanto, the international language? I do. I do. Very well, Judge Hodgman. You may be seated. Doug versus Ty, the showdown of a lifetime. For an immediate summary judgment in one of your favor, can either one of you name the piece of culture that I was referencing in my dialogue or my dialogo <laughs> with Jesse Thorne, my bailiff, our bailiff, your bailiff, as I entered the courtroom. Uh, Ty! Is it the, yes. Is it the Mandarin Rosetta Stone? No. Rosetta Stone. Be quiet, Ty. You, I, I no. already knew you were wrong. Doug, how wrong will you be? Um, was it the... Vietnamese no, guide to no, English language. Okay. No. <laughs> Look, you guys have to understand. This is this is a true court of internet fake law. All right, this is not joking around time. I'm not looking for your jokes. I'm looking for your answers. I'm looking for your truth. Your own truth must be good enough. If you don't know the answer, just say I don't know. Do you know? I no, don't know. You don't know. 
I don't know either. And how embarrassed will you be to learn that I am referencing a piece called Helpful Foreign Phrases that was included in the book That Is All by John Hodgman. (laughs) (laughs) I am quite embarrassed. Yes, as well you should be. Because when it comes to my own work, I have a simple, a simple maxim. If you purchase the book, you are freed from the obligation to read it. Did either of you, <laughs> did either of you purchase that book? Um, I haven't yet. No. Not yet. Right. So no. you're still obliged to read it. You are both in contempt of this court. I'm really sorry to buzz market my own, my own product. <laughs> On my own podcast. I should, you know what, I have a right to, but it is rather tasteless, and I apologize to all my listeners. I was going to simply play uh, the very short cut uh, called Transmitting Live from Mars from the De La Soul album Three Feet High and Rising, which is simply a language lab or a, a French instructional tape over some groovy music. But then I realized um, I would be ripping off De La Soul by playing their music without permission. And I uh, love and adore them, so I cannot do that. But I can rip me off. Plenty good. So, <laughs> and I can speak plenty good, too. Oh, you know, what I, you, know what I should have, you know what I should have done for this one? Oh, I'm so mad at myself. Please, no one take offense. If either of you can name this cultural reference, you win the case. Hello. I can speak English. I learned it. From a book. Ty or Doug? Hello. I can speak English. I learned it from a book. Ty or Doug? I don't know. I don't know that one. No, I don't know it either. Faulty Towers! Oh. Manuel. (laughs) I don't remember which episode it is. I'm sure someone will write in. But Manuel, uh, the, the, the Spanish valet, played just on the precipice of offense. By, by the actor who played him, I'm going to look him up very quickly, uh, <laughs> is saying these words while, his, his, uh, while he is obscured by a giant moose head, which has fallen <laughs> off. And the major walks by and he simply sees this moose head and the moose head goes, hello, I can speak English. I learned it from a book. Andrew Sachs was the name of the actor who played Manuel <laughs> on the precipice. <laughs> On the cusp of offensiveness, and perhaps beyond the cusp. What do you think, Bailiff Jesse? Is Manuel in Faulty Towers an offensive Hispanic stereotype? I suppose it is. Oh, wow. Yeah, I watched watched Faulty Towers relatively recently. I was surprised at how well it held up. And yes, he is an offensive stereotype. He is an offensive stereotype. All right. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're... I don't, I guess I'm, it's tough for me to judge because I don't know that much about what the stereotypes of Spaniards are. Right. But, but I it is, it is a, de, it is a de facto, well. yeah, it, it's, a, it's a de facto foreigners are, are hilarious and, uh, and, and dumb. Although the butt of every joke on the show is at the expense of fault, uh, Basil Faulty. But that said, all right, I will say for the, I will put it in the record. Which one of you is keeping the record? Which one of you is a stenographer? Ty, Doug? Oh, you're the litigants. I forgot why we're even here. <laughs> well, one of you write this down in the record. 
with Faulty <laughs> Towers, which is a great, a, a, a great and legendary work of television comedy, is slightly marred uh, by the by the offensive uh, stereotype that is Manuel. Uh, now I've got no further cultural references to give to you guys, so I must simply render judgment. Uh, Doug, you're wrong and Ty's right. Oh, maybe I should listen to the case. Doug, what's your problem <laughs> okay. with Ty? Um, well, I think I have sort of three problems. Take your time. Cause is... it's not like I gave you any time to prepare your at all. <laughs> no, ready? No, Good. I, I've got three it. I've got problems. It. Yeah. You have three problems um, with your friend Ty. They are one. One, um, just on the surface level, the way he pronounces these words is is kind of annoying and irritating and just uncool. And do you know what I find irritating? <laughs> what the way you just pronounced irritating? <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. And, um, two, I think I think it's very it's pretentious and show offy, mm-hmm. and it's a way for him to. You know, just show his intellectual superiority over people. Uh-huh. Um, and I find that to be a bit mean-spirited. Okay. And then um, the third reason is that I think that it's... Um, I think it's best when you're communicating just to use the clearest, most easily understood uh-huh. form of pronunciation to get your form across. So I think it's kind of an inefficient use of language. So the point, so you and Ty are friends for a long time. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Uh, what, what are your ages? I'm 35. So am I. Okay. And how long have you guys known each other? Uh, since we were 18 years. Yeah. Since we're 18. Okay. Uh, 18 années. On. No, 18 ans. 18 ans. Oui, exactement. Oui, exactement. But, <laughs> May, uh, the, but your complaint is that, that Ty is, is walking around all the time, tossing off foreign words and phrases, and not merely that, but pronouncing them with exaggerated foreignness. Is that, would that sum up your, 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 your uh, complaint there, Doug? Yes, right. it's, it's in an ostentatious way. <laughs> T- t- but you, do, you, do you know that using the word ostentatious is itself ostentatious? <laughs> it's just, just something that was established at the at the uh, uh, the the modern art the, the modern language arts uh, uh, conference a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, all right, Ty. Yeah. How do you how do you répondé? Um, I. I agree that I try to announce, uh, pronounce foreign words as closely to the native tongue pronunciation as I can, but not standard foreign words. Um, I only do new foreign words in uh, as close a transla- of pronunciation as I can because that's the only pronunciation we can go off of. How do you? How uh, do you? How what? What? How do you distinguish between foreign words and new foreign words? Well, for instance, I mean, a lot of French no. is been standardized in English. So we say in like, English, like Versailles, or, or Versailles, Missouri. Exactly. Versailles, Missouri, or hors d'oeuvres, or which d'oeuvres. is a standard English phrase. But we don't say it exactly like the French say it. We would, you know, the French might say it closer to hors d'oeuvres or something like that. Oh. Um, but we say hors d'oeuvres. What we don't say is horse duvers. 
You know, that's the way it's spelled, but we don't pronounce it that way. We pronounce it as close to the French as the American tongue can. So you're so, so if, that's what I try to do. So if a if a gunky, pretentious mispronunciation from decades past has now passed fully into the English lexicon, such as hors d'oeuvres, you'll say hors d'oeuvres, uh -huh. but in your heart you want to say what was the Flemmy construction you gave again? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's in the throat like that. Yes. Which yeah. I think literally translates to outside of the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so, yes. Or outside the opening. Outside the opening. Oh, you mean so it's served before entering the dining room? Yes, served before the main course. Yeah, you know, you know, you hear that siren? I do. That's the police coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I just so blew you away with my off-the-cuff etymology that they're coming to throw you in jail. None of that tracks at all. I just wanted to call attention to the siren. And you're, where are you guys anyway? Uh, we're in New York City. Oh, New York City. All right, and in. in <laughs> In Manhattan? Manahatta. Man yes. Manahatta, right. That would be the original, uh, uh, what was what was the, the Native American The Manahattas. The Manahattas? I believe, was, I, believe I don't. And Peter Minuit traded them a bunch of hors d'oeuvres for Manhattan and at, a, <laughs> at a cocktail party sometime in the 17th century. Is that right? Yeah, that's a story I heard. All right. Uh, so... All right, but give me an example of a nouvelle mot that uh, that you pronounce uh, far too accurately for Doug's taste. Well, our latest big argument, uh, we were at a Vietnamese restaurant, mm -hmm. and I enjoy a Vietnamese soup called pho. Pho. However, it's spelled P-H-O, and Doug likes to call it pho. Right. Um. That's not a standard English word yet. I hope in the future it will be. Um, but for now, we can only go as close to the native pronunciation if we're looking to pronounce it correctly. That's the only source we have is the native Vietnamese tongue. So yeah. I say pho, which I don't necessarily think is the correct pronunciation, but I'm trying to do as close of an accurate pronunciation as my... Uh, poor mimicry and English American accent will so, allow. So you don't think that the you don't think your pronunciation of the delicious beef and noodle soup of Vietnam mm -hmm. is even your even your pretentious uh, 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 self-aggrandizing pronunciation that calls attention to yourself and your learnedness. Even that is not <laughs> truly authentic. Is that what you're saying? It is not, and it's not self-aggrandizing. I feel like I should say it better than I can. Okay. I try to say it as well as I can. Let's go. Let's work on it right now. Okay. Now, <laughs> well, we, Doug, can I say we did try because we all ordered faux. It was like a group of four of us. Sure. And everyone went around and ordered classic, faux. A classic and, faux for four. Exactly. Faux <laughs> yeah. for four. And the waiter was, I went you know, to a restaurant recently, and the jerk served us faux faux for four. <laughs> Turns out it was a vegetarian place. Phony foe for four? <laughs> uh, but we um we all ordered foe first and then it came 
to Ty and the waiter who was Vietnamese knew exactly what we were talking about. First, and then like, Ty sort of. Mm-hmm. Hmm? I was just going to say first, I'd like fo- first, I'd like four foe, please, for the four of us. <laughs> <laughs> that would be delicious. I know. I would like. So, some, I would like. I say, I say, foe. But I know that that is wrong. That it is a faux pas. Because <laughs> my friend Josh Sado, which is pronounced Sado, by the way, and not Sadow, just like Rachel Maddow, not Rachel Maddow, who lives in Seattle or Seattle, as I call it, <laughs> schooled me the hard way. He sent he sent the pronunciation police for me for driving around Seattle with him saying foe this, foe that. He's like, no, it's fur. Mm. And I think that there is there is a, a West Coast, East Coast distinction, certainly in Seattle, which probably has the best among the best Vietnamese food in the world that is not in Vietnam. You look you are looked down upon if you are if you if you refer to it as foe. But let's work on Jesse. What do you say? Fur. Fur. Okay. So Ty, how do you say it? Fur. And what's and say say it better now. Get closer to what your ideal is. Fur. One more time. <laughs> Fur. This is this is one where the where where okay, where the, drop the beat. <laughs> <laughs> this is one where the where the crime. And the punishment for the crime are the same thing. Say it again. <laughs> fur. 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 Now, are you... Fur. How am I doing it wrong? Fur. I don't know how you're doing it wrong, because I'm doing it wrong as well. But I'm just doing my best approximation, because we did ask the waiter to pronounce it. Yeah. And it was really... I could get nowhere near the way he pronounced it. So this is my best approximation. But it's only one syllable and, and one mouth sound. I mean, I'm. I don't know. I think there's multiple mouth sounds on the vowel. All right. And let me ask you. Let me ask you this, uh, Ty. Yes. When Doug ordered four foe, uh huh. Did the waiter just sort of stand there blinking, like I don't know what you're talking about? He did not. He knew exactly what Doug was ordering. And Doug, let me ask you this question: When the waiter received the order for four foe. For f, does his manner change in any way? Did he seem pleased, angered, or indifferent to Ty's amateurish attempt to imitate his mouth sounds? Um, I think he seemed a little confused. That's all hearsay, of course. But Ty, you you took a, <laughs> a sharp intake of breath there, which which is either your expression of, of surprise and anger, or is you attempting to pronounce some other kind of foreign soup? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he was confused. I think he understood what I was saying to him and probably to his ear, both our pronunciations sounded equally horrible, mm-hmm. but he knew what both of us were ordering. Who, who were your guests? Who are the, who are the other two in the, in the fur party? Our friend Kara and her sister Lisa. Did either of them express frustration or use the traditional nonverbal communication of our people of eye rolling to indicate that they were uh, uh, annoyed by your uh, pronunciation games? 
I do not recall that happening oh, at all. They did. They told, <laughs> they definitely did. Do you have depositions from either of these two people uh, attesting to the fact that they cannot stand it when Ty does this? Um, I don't have a deposition, but I do know at one point in history, Kara struck Ty across the face <laughs> over his pronunciation of the word mango. <laughs> I, uh, first of all, I, I just want, no, sh- I object to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I to mangoes. <laughs> I actually love mangoes. I just wanted to object to something. Thank you, Bailiff Jesse. <laughs> I, I am now going to ask you, Doug, to repeat that entire sentence, not as punishment or to check your pronunciation, but just because I have never heard those words arranged in a sentence before, and they are glorious. Do you remember what you said? Um, I think I, I said that um, at one point in history, our friend Kara struck Ty across the face over his pronunciation of the word mango. Oh, that is one of my favorite sentences <laughs> of all time. Yeah, you got that was pretty good. So how do you pronounce Ty, the word commonly pronounced uh, by uh, by the by the fruit ignorant of the world, mango. I pronounce it mango. I did go through a phase when we all first <laughs> met <laughs> where I enjoyed saying mango in what I thought was a humorous and endearing fashion, but it uh, provoked violence in my friends. What was your humorous and in endearing pronunciation of mango. <laughs> um, I haven't done it in quite a while, but it was something along the lines of Well, do you need mango. some mango? Oh. Mango. Oh. Mango. Oh, stop it. Or mango. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> stop so doing bad. Stop. That's so bad that it may actually be worse than mango from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do that? This is a whole other, I mean, Doug, I have to chastise you for entering this immaterial and irrelevant evidence because obviously Ty is not attempting to reproduce a traditional foreign language pronunciation of the word mango. He's just being insane. <laughs> but your insanity here is almost as offensive as Manuel and Faulty Towers. Why are you doing that? I don't know why I did it. And I stopped shortly after Kara hit me in the face. Full, <laughs> like open hand or full fist? Uh, it was an open hand. She did not punch me. It was more of a slap. I... It was in uh, the Museum of the City of New York where we're going through and I, I was saying mango a lot and she couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Why were you doing that? Were there, were there, were there historical mangoes? <laughs> <laughs> Is it the I case that remember. is it the case that you were reading about how the the streets of Lower Manhattan were originally paved with mango shells? <laughs> Why I were mean, you that doing been... that? Why were you? How old were you? I was probably eighteen at that time. Okay, well, a lot can be forgiven, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all right. Let's go down the list. You did send in. Some words, Doug, that you find Thai pronounces hyperly or hyperly accurately. <laughs> yes, and that is one of them. 
So, Doug, I'd like you to read this list of words as though this were a language instruction tape, and Ty, I would like you to pronounce them the way you would snobbily correct Doug if you ever heard him pronouncing these words. We've already gone through faux, so let's move on to everyone's favorite uh, Greek sandwich. Gyro. Gyro. Sartre. Sartre. Carnitas. Carnitas. Papardel. Papardelle. Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. Tamales. Tamales. Hyper. Hyper. Cologne. I. <laughs> but I would say Cologne, yeah. Germany. You say it the way you say it. Cologne. Yeah. Cologne. Goethe. Goethe. Femme. Farm. Acapulco. Acapulco. Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Homage. Homage. Fate. Fete. Forte. Fort. Bonafide. Bonafides. Ayers Rock. Uluru. <laughs> and Mount McKinley. Denali. All right. <laughs> Let's I'm going to this is this is one where I'm actually just going to I'm going to keep score here. So <laughs> you said you said Eper, I don't say Eper. I like to say Eper, but I know it's hyper and if I'm using it in, you know, just general conversation I'll say hyper, but that, I like to say Eper. Yeah, that's wrong and that's a, that's a point that's for Doug. With the light turned out. <laughs> Be a scarf thrown over the bedside lamp. (laughs) 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 So, Doug, is it your wish that I should find in your favor and then order Ty to cease pronouncing the words that way and instead have them have him pronounce them the way you pronounce them? That's exactly what I want. And those words and only those words? Well, and um, I would like also future words that come up. Future words? So not just not just nouvelle words, but words of the future as well? So you want to dictate how I pronounce words for here on out? Yes. Oh, God. I think you might I mean, that's here, my ultimate desire. Here in. <laughs> You're concerned that he's going to say... Quanuts instead of cronuts, huh? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm worried about. <laughs> Ty, what is your... Uh, explain for me again your rationale for doing this. Um, foreign words. English is a wonderful language because so many of our words are foreign words. Sure. Um, they enter our language and they become standardized. Look, for example, so, pa- passport. Um, passport? Passport. Okay, passport. It is a, it is a corruption of passepartout. No? Is it? I don't, I don't know. Savre. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe you. Corduroy. So, corduroy. Denim. 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 Yes, from Nîmes. See? So what happens is these words, as they become traditional English words, they solidify in pronunciation. However, 
we have so many new words entering the language. Um, we don't have any uh, uh, standard pronunciation of them yet, and the only source to find that pronunciation is in the native tongue. So I try to pronounce it as close to the native tongue as possible because that's the only guidepost we have on how to pronounce these new foreign words that are entering our language. Like I say, I believe pho will enter the language, whether it uh, becomes more standard as pho, like you and Doug say, or as pho, as Jesse and I say, um, is up for the language itself to decide. But for now, all I can do is go with the only source I have, which is the native tongue. And I do mangle it, but I, I try. But the, many of these words that Doug is particularly upset about your sort of hyper-pronunciation of mm-hmm. uh, are pretty much well entered into the language. I mean, hi- hyper, uh, obviously. Yes. Right. Uh, I would say carnitas is pretty well entered into the language. You don't have well, to. You don't have to add a particular accent to that in order to be accurate. Yeah, well, some of the uh, Spanish pronunciations come from uh, my mom's side of the family, so uh, that's the way I heard them growing up. Like tamales. Is that's what we had every Christmas with our tamales. So mm-hmm. that's how I say it. That's and where did you where did you grow up? In Billings, Montana. Montana. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Well, I say Montana. Yeah, there's a there's a re, it's a regionalism. I say Montana. <laughs> People from <laughs> <laughs> And and then there is some dispute also over some pronunciation of english words we've already discussed mango but there is also what cereal um yes cereal how do you say that i say it's cereal but that's a regional montana uh pronunciation all right that's how i grew up saying cereal there's not too many of those words like that in montana but there are a few what are some of the other ones so that if well, I milk. so that I would not offend a native Montanan the next time I'm <laughs> I'm ordering Fruit Loops I would say could I have could I have some of that Fruit Loop cereal uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and would you pour in some milk please you put milk with milk. an e milk. milk no that would be milk how do you say milk. it milk oh, you, oh now you're really doing it milk boy I feel like I'm in Montana all of a sudden. <laughs> what else? Uh, Mango. <laughs> Mango. <laughs> any any other uh, Montanan and Montananisms? No, uh, Montana is a pretty standard American accent. Uh, the one thing we do say, but I don't say it, but there are people in Montana that say "gums" instead of "gums." But Me- I don't do that. Meaning what? Like the gums in your mouth. Gooms? Gooms, yes. Goo really? Really. That is a re- if if you're saying that there are very few regional pronunciations, but one of them is gooms <laughs> for gums? That's quite I mean, an that's going- quite an outlier. How could you explain that? I can't. It's it's fading away. Not too many people say it anymore, but if you some of the older Montanans 
or some of the people that grew up in more rural areas, they'll still say goons. Is that a leftover from some ethnic population? No clue. Could right. be. No clue. All right. We also say honyakers. Honyakers for greenhorns. But that's not an that's not a pronunciation of that's not a different pronunciation of greenhorn. That's a that's a different word. Yeah, exactly. So what what language is that derived from? I think it's uh, you're speaking. You understand you're speaking for all of Montana now. I do understand. (laughs) I I can pretty much guarantee you all of Montana is listening. (laughs) Um, I think it's Hungarian, but I'm not sure. All right. So much, so much for your heritage. You are, <laughs> you shall never be welcome in Montana again. All right. I think I've heard everything I need to hear. I'm going to go into my chambre and take a few moments to uh, arrange my thoughts. And then I will be, uh, I will uh, regress our immediate mente. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Ty, is this honestly about you wanting to be cute or you wanting to be respectful of how other cultures pronounce their languages? I want to be respectful. Um, I work at a, a college where we have a lot of international students and a lot of immigrants, and I spend a lot of my day trying to figure out how to pronounce their names. And again, I mangle them a lot, but I always try to be as respectful as possible when pronouncing their names. Do you believe that to be the case, Doug? No, I don't. <laughs> Ty is a pedantic person. Um, you know, he is, he's very smart, but he's constantly correcting me and my language and grammar. And I think when he pronounces these words, it's, it's in a very show offy way. To like say, oh, I'm doing it right. You're doing it wrong. This is how it's actually pronounced. I don't think it's out of respect for the language. Um, so I, I think his motivation is coming from a very selfish place. Do you really pronounce like femme fatale as femme fatale? I actually do do that. Yes. You sound like a real jerk. Right. You guys, you guys both understand that there's no agreed upon pronunciation of the famous Greek mystery meat sandwich, the gyro, 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 yoro. (laughs) I believe the correct pronunciation is gyro. Yes. But the other thing is the way Ty pronounces these. He he also makes it a point. Not that like this is his interpretation, but this is this is the right way. So if I say gyro, he's like it's gyro, you know. When you say these words, do you at the same time raise one eyebrow? <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do, and then I turn away from him. I show him my back. Um, Doug, how do you think your chances are in this case? Um, I think they're pretty good. <laughs> You seem confident. How about you, Ty? Um, I, yeah, I think Doug's doing pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll find out in just a minute. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Judge John Hodgman's decision. 
Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, you can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code HODGMAN. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? 
Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. So, Ty, I was listening uh, through uh, the Japanese screen that uh, separates me from you as I sit here, as I sat there in my chambre. <laughs> and I heard Doug say that he did think you were trying to be cute. And you clearly are trying to be cute. Your argument about being respectful uh, is undermined by the fact that you spent a lot of time saying, Mango! <laughs> it is completely apparent to me that you enjoy drawing attention to yourself by saying things differently from others around you, even when there is an undisputable pronunciation. I think you can you can say mongo though, but let's set that aside. <laughs> Your argument for being respectful is a powerful one, even though it is, in your case, disingenuous. Because, and I think faux feu really, uh, really uh, ties a, a buh on it, uh, <laughs> on this particular issue. Because this is, uh, this is a new word that is entering the English language. There is no consensus on how, uh, how it will be spoken, as I realized when uh, I was yelled at by Josh Sadu so many times in Seattle. And yet, <laughs> and, the, and what consensus is forming, I think in my own anecdotal experience, is coalescing around foe, which we know is inaccurate. Why, it's, it's, it's encoded in the very name itself, foe. Uh, and so what, <laughs> what does one do in such a situation? I honestly, as we went through word by word, the issues that or the words that Doug has takes issue with, found myself at odds with both of you at different times. And indeed, I don't know that a hard and fast line can be drawn between pronouncing things the typical way versus pronouncing things the, uh, the way autentico, because... Uh, there even even you acknowledge that you're not sure how to pronounce the authentic pronunciation of that delicious, delicious soup. And so therefore, you're an, uh, constantly on a continuum between correct pronunciation and common usage, the desire to be respectful versus the desire to be understood. And if, and if anything, I would imagine that it happens on a case-by-case -case basis. And so I'm going to do something for the first time here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast, I'm actually going to rule by points. This will be a judgment on points, not on a knockout. <laughs> so let's just go down the list. 
Doug, you say foe. Ty, you say fur. I'm yes. sorry, Josh Sato. I got to go with foe on this one. I think that's what people are going to say. I'm going to get it. People are going to get mad. But I think, Dang I, think it. I think most people, most people in America, stupidly, uh, understand that soup as foe. And in time, as that soup becomes more and more prevalent, as it will, because it is one of the best soups in the world, there will it be is. there will be a second wave of snobs and pedants like you, Ty, who will come around <laughs> pronouncing it foe. And when we get fur on the Food Network, then it'll be fur. But for now, it's fur. That one goes to Doug. Uh, uh, for the Greek sandwich, Ty, you said something terrible. What was it? Gyro? Gyro? I said, I said gyro. Gyro. Yes. Gyro. Gyro. Uh, and what did you say? I said gyro. Gyro is incorrect. Oh, yes. Gyro is really hyper-correct. Hyper-correct. <laughs> but but I certainly have he- I've heard uh, enough uh, t- typically gentlemen working in a in a in a Greek restaurant or a place where they will serve a gyro, saying gyro or gyro, gyro is uh, is what I said when I was a child. That one goes to Thai. Doug, you said Sartre. Uh, Thai, you said Sartre. <laughs> <laughs> Just simply saying Sartre at all earns you pretentious points. Trying to outdo someone on the pronunciation of it makes you a loathsome creature. That one goes to Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Carnitas versus what did you say, Ty? Carnitas. And that's how your that's how your aunt said it. My mom. Your mom or your mom's family said carnitas, and because yeah. she because she is Latina in some way, of some heritage. She is. Where is Mexican? Where, Mexican. Yes. I got to give that to Ty. Yeah. You grew up that way. It's in honor of your people. Papardelle has never been said in my hearing ever before in my life. That's crazy. Papardelle is what it is. That one goes to tie. Sacre bleu. Doug, you said. Sacre bleu. Right. And Ty, no, you, said, you didn't say sacre bleu. What did he say, Ty? He said sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. No, sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. I remember thinking sacre bleu. That's that. <laughs> that, was your, that was your take on it, Jesse? That's yep. your memory? All right. That one goes to Ty, even though the way he said blue really grossed me out. It's sacra blue <laughs> is wrong. Tamales versus tamales. Tamale is a, both a food, uh, a food stuff and a word, which is obviously a corruption of the correct Spanish tamales. But tamale has been in, in the language uh, and adopted by lots and lots of different uh, non-Hispanic cultures, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, there is a, a long tradition of African-Americans in the South making tamales in, uh, in classic soul food restaurants, and those would be called tamales. I would accept tamale, but again, because of your alleged uh, Mexican background, Thai, uh, I, will, I will accept tamales as well. That one goes to Thai. Cologne, Germany. Oh, first of all, Iper. Versus hyper, no one should ever say hyper unless they are in Spain or in a Latin American country. That one goes to Doug. Cologne, you say cologne, Doug, like the, the yes. fragrance. You say, what did you say? Cologne. Cologne. I, <laughs> cologne. Uh, that, one's a, that one's a wash because obviously that's the correct pronunciation, but no one's going to know. No one's going to know what you're talking about unless you say cologne Germany, right? Yeah. Right. 
uh, and that would just make you sound extra- incredibly pretentious. I'm going to give. I'm going to. If you're in America talking about a foreign city, you wouldn't say Paris. You would say Paris. We'll go with Cologne. That one goes to Doug. Uh, Goethe, Goethe. That was a wash. Femme, femme, um, femme. Violent femmes. I think have to be the standard for American pronunciation of femme. So I'm going to give that one to Doug. You're now tied five and five. Acapulco, Acapulco, you said the same way. Puerto Vallarta, Puerto Vallarta. Uh, you guys are old enough to have seen the love boat, so you both know how to pronounce that. That's a wash. <laughs> Doug, you said um, you said homage, and that is beyond wrong. Homage is correct. That one goes to tie. Uh, fort or versus forte. Uh, fort, uh, as, a, as an English pronunciation of uh, forte, uh, meaning strong in, uh, in Latin and the, Lat- and the Latin languages, uh, or frezzo in, uh, in Italian, uh, fort as an English pronunciation is long-standing in our language. Uh, I, uh, I didn't pick up the OED, but if I did, I bet you it goes back to dinosaur time. So that one goes to Doug. Bonafides versus bona fides. Bona fides is common English pronunciation of that particular phrase. Bona fides, I don't think people would understand what you were talking about. That one goes to Doug. Uh, and then we get into other ones. Ayers Rock, Uluru, that's that's not a pronunciation issue. That is a <laughs> that that is that is a that is a uh, that is a, a, a gringo versus aboriginal pronunciation issue. Uh, and given the the crimes that were visited upon uh, the Aboriginal people of Australia, it's hard not to respect the saying Uluru uh, or Ayers Rock. Uh, but I gotta get you know I think they're both Denali versus Mount McKinley. Uh, I gotta I gotta say that they're both in, interchangeable. This is not a pronunciation issue. They're irrelevant. I appreciate your desire to be sensitive, and I think that it's it's a good move, and it's certainly a, a commendable, and and not offensive one. But uh, but uh, it's not to not to the thing. So, I have um, six points for Ty and seven points for Doug. Oh, yes, man. And that means I have to find in Doug's favor. Oh, my God. In so far, and, and I think that the math really does speak to the issue here. There are some in there that I totally am with you. Uh, you're either pronouncing, you're, you're pronouncing the word according to your own heritage, or you're pronouncing the word uh, that is in a way that is uh, not merely more traditional, but more correctly understood, even in English language. I think more people will say homage than homage, although I bet I'll get some letters. Uh, and 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 in a way that is un, that uh, that uh, that is not offensive or attention getting, but when you go kun, or when you go fum, or when you go uh, uh you are you are you are asking for it. So on those words that I found in Doug's favor, foe, sart, uh, sacra no, uh, uh, hyper. Cone, femme. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I missed one, guys. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Doug, Uh-oh. In, the French word for party is what, Doug? Um, I say it fades. Incorrect. Fet is correct. Okay, it's a tie. <laughs> All right. Wow. A last yeah. minute tie. Uh, here's what I'm going to say, though. Tie. It's a tie for tie. Say bona, yes. bona fides, fort, cologne, 
hyper, sart, foe. All of those pronunciations are, as of this moment, acceptable and should not be corrected, nor should you go out of your way to make a big stink out of saying something different at the Bonafides restaurant or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But because you tied it up, I have to therefore order, I have to therefore find on the side of free will and every person's right to embarrass themselves at a restaurant by being a pedant and say that I find in Ty's favor, (laughs) though (gasps) though I order him to seriously reconsider the pronunciation of those words that I pointed out. Bonafides, femme, sart, faux, uh, and hyper in particular. Just take it easy, all right? Don't don't be a show-off. <laughs> this is the sound of a gavel. Mango. Mango. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. How do you feel, Doug? Um, you know, I feel pretty good. I, I mean, I figured the judge would lean towards personal liberty. (laughs) um, But I think hearing this from Judge John Hodgman, he'll um, be a little more, or a little less (laughs) show-offy with his language in the future. I'm just glad I don't have to say homage. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that that's a real one, guys. That is. Do people he actually say, says homage. I know he says that, but he also says fate for fet. He really <laughs> does do that. That's why it gets my goat. That's why I have to correct him. It well, just digs at me. Yeah. Those two, you have a right. You need, to, you, need to bring, <laughs> you need to bring, basically what we're trying to establish here is consensus and understandability. And where, and where that, and, and that is a rule of thumb. If people don't understand what you're saying or you're going against what is the consensus, no matter how corrupt the consensus may be, then I think you got to, uh, you have to uh, check yourself. Uh, and I'm spelling check with a Q-U-E there. <laughs> I think that's a good rule of thumb. All right. Jesse, did you have any other questions you wanted to ask these guys before I butted in? No. Thank you, Judge Hodgman. <laughs> Doug, Ty, thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Merci beaucoup. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Well, Judge Hodgman, quite the fate you're having back here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I, I thought I would just have a, a you know a good old prosecco and um, and chicken cordon bleu <laughs> uh, uh, personal uh, fate. I'm wearing my fate hat. <laughs> Sure. The only kind of fate we have back where, back where I come from in San Francisco is once, once in a while the local volunteer fire, fire department will have a big spaghetti dinner. Yeah, and I like to, I like to dress my spaghetti with um, the delicious Bahan Mai sandwich <laughs> of, of Saigon. Um, we have a case or, on the docket. Would or, you like- Saigon, or Saigon, as they pronounce it, in Saigon, Pennsylvania. We have a case on the docket. Would you like to clear it out? I would like to hear the docket right away. Amber writes, I live in Tyler, Texas, and I bought tickets for me and my husband without his knowledge to see they might be giants in Austin on October 22nd. The show's midweek and will require us to take two days off work. My husband vetoes this idea. We live four and a half hours away from Dallas and just took a day off to see Depeche Mode. What's the big deal? Okay. 
So we did see they might be giants in March. But they might not tour again for a few years. What if they retire? Then I'll never see them live again. My husband asks, what about our jobs? Well, what about our jobs? I'm a second grade teacher, and he's a discipline specialist at a middle school. Taking two days off is no big deal. I think he just doesn't want to stand up during the show. Judge Hodgman, should we go to the show or sell the tickets? Well, I have to confess that I'm prejudiced because my wife is a high school teacher here in New York City. And for that reason is constantly saying there's no way she can go on any trips <laughs> that might require her to take a day off, such as the, uh, the, the wonderfully recently completed boat party known as the Atlantic, uh, Fe- Atlantic Ocean Festival of Comedy and Music, where I enjoyed your company, Jesse. And I yours. Or, or the forthcoming uh, uh, Jonathan Colton cruise or any kind of boat party of any kind. And uh, and so, therefore, my initial reaction is, no, you cannot take a day off. You're teachers. You cannot be blowing off school. Think of the example you are setting for your second grade students and the bad kids that you have to discipline. And while I would say that for the second grade students, it probably doesn't matter all that much if you're going to blow off school in order to go to a They Might Be Giants concert. With regard to the discipline cases, the hard cases that your husband is dealing with, not only is it a bad example to set that he's going to that he's gonna go uh, and blow off school to go see a concert. That's exactly the opposite of the kind of self-discipline he's hoping to inspire and monitor in these students. But also to blow off two days of school to go see They Might Be Giants, while they are my one of my favorite bands, to be sure, that's going to seem dramatically uncool to your kids in school and therefore he's going to lose authority and lose power over the kids and it's going to be class of 1984 all over again so I say this teachers don't blow off school to go see concerts sorry you've got an important job to do those kids need you they might be giants don't need you go go buy 10 copies of their records That's that'll be a good thing to do as I understand it, you've received some correspondence. Yes. You know, uh, it was one of my great delights over the summer to first see and then engage with using social media and Internet. The man we know as Fresh Banana Man of the southbound Kennebunk Rest Plaza on Route 95, the main turnpike in Kennebunk, Maine. His name is Jonathan. And we've stayed in touch since I first sung his praises at Selling Bananas with the clarion call of Fresh Bananas here. And he wrote me this uh, letter. And I, I encouraged some of you to go and take pictures of him, which I later realized was probably a ill-thought-out thing to do that might scare another human being or make him feel menaced or get him fired. But luckily that didn't happen, and a few photos came in, and I shared some of them with you on the blog at MaximumFun.org. But then some of you started writing in saying, where is, where is he? I've been going to the southbound rest plaza at Kennebunk over and over again, and he's not there. Well, let me tell you something, everybody. He was on a belated honeymoon with his wife, and he sent me this letter from the road. Hello. I have, during the course of my travels, visited a couple of airports and rest areas out of morbid curiosity. I wanted to see how many of these places had some influence from my home company. I also wanted to see how they sold their fresh bananas. Sad, 
sad day. Not only did I see fresh bananas, but I also saw no innovative methods to procure their sale to a visiting patron. What will it take to bring the travel experience around in such a way that people will engage customers in the sale of fresh bananas? I did, however, see a young man trying to encourage people to eat at his restaurant, which I will now discreetly mention has the word Fridays in the title. See, even he knows, no buzz marketing. He was rather impressive in his methods, but utterly doomed because he wasn't quite fresh in his approach. It was the old-timey method of hawking with no personal flair. It almost smacked of a company-induced method, stale and oppressive. I did, however, go to a fresh farm stand. They were selling items, and there was a sense of genuine care about their products. They got a kick out of the fact that I sell fresh bananas, so I bought two farm-fresh peaches. Man, were they good. Sincerely... Jonathan, the Fresh Banana Man. I will continue to share uh, letters and stories from him as they trickle in, but uh, I believe that he's back at work now, and if you want to buy some fresh bananas, I can't recommend a banana salesman more highly. He is obviously very dedicated. Now, it turns out that Jonathan has a Twitter account, which he has authorized me to mention, which is Fresh Bananas Hia. That's F-R-E-S-H Bananas H-E-A, Fresh Bananas Hia, which you, where you can go and uh, he's listing some of the things that customers say to him after he says Fresh Bananas here. And then you can uh, also see the video that he has recorded of himself saying Fresh Bananas here. And you will probably want to buy some bananas. Uh, thanks, Jonathan, for staying in touch. That's all I've got on my docket, Judge Hodgman. It's been a pleasure to judge with you, as always. Uh, always a pleasure to judge with you as well. Um, may I just say one thing? Since I've already indulged in a certain measure of buzz marketing uh, for myself, may I just mention, Jesse, that Bill Corbett, the great Bill Corbett of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Rift Tracks, and I will be appearing in the American Midwest in a live show of new comedies in three fantastic American cities. On Thursday, 3 October, we will be at the Cedar Cultural Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Friday, 4 October, Englert Theater in Iowa City, Iowa. And Saturday, 5 October, Barrymore Theater, Madison, Wisconsin. All the details are on johnhodgman.com slash tour. You can also find out at johnhodgman.com how you could do the Hodgman Triathlon. If any one person, and I'm hoping there will be just one, or maybe at least one, Uh, goes to all three of those shows, guess what? Uh, You can come backstage and hang out with Bill and me. Uh, You get some of our leftover uh, uh, green room hummus. I'll give you a prize of some kind, and uh, the Madison show is on me. So please, won't you come out and see us and see all of our and my upcoming appearances on johnhodgman.com slash tour. And hey, I'm actually going to be in Southern California with my public radio show, Bullseye, live at KPCC on October 25th. So if you want to come see me and Saturday Night Live's Bill Hader and uh, my friend comedian Jasper Red and lots of other cool folks, uh, get your tickets now. It's already mostly sold out. There's only a few seats left. So go to kpcc.org slash forum or follow the link from the homepage of MaximumFun.org and grab your tickets. It's Bullseye Live October 25th in Pasadena. I shall look forward to that and to the next time we speak. And our thanks for this week's title to Michael Davidson Jr. Thanks, Thanks Michael. Michael.
The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.